If you guys would like to turn to Romans 9.33, this is actually going to be a topical Sunday, but this will help us uh, launch into our time. 9.33. Does everyone have Bibles? Romans 9.33. That's page 11.27 in the book. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first before we begin, and then we'll read, and we'll launch into our time. Father... I, I pray that, uh, as we pray every week, God, that just our, our hearts would be vulnerable to you today, um, to hear your words, God, that your, your spirit would protect this time, um, because God, growing up, um, we've just inherited a lot of ideas, um, some beautiful, uh, some false God, and I pray that we'll come to truth, we'll come to Jesus today, um, and see Him more clearly, and know Him better. God, and we'll leave this time I'm transformed because we've met with God. God, I pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, if you'd stand with me as we read, please, Romans 9.33. I'm actually going to be reading from the King James, because I like its wording. Um, it uses the word that I want it to, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this is what it says. I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. You may be seated. So we, we finished Colossians last week. Uh, and this week, being able to uh, to to preach on on uh, whatever uh, I thought that us as a church needed to hear, I chose the the topic: uh, Is God trustworthy? Um, and this is something that, that I chose because it's something that I've wrestled with before. Uh, and even in the last few weeks, we sung a song earlier that said, "I will give you all my worship." I will give you all my praise. Why would we give someone all our worship? And that's the question is, is God trustworthy? Because if God isn't trustworthy, we won't actually give him our whole lives. Right? And so we often come to this point in our lives where we've said the right things. There's no follow through in our lives because we don't actually believe it. Right? We, we've said, God, I trust you. But then really... <laughs> With the way we live, we don't involve him at all in the way that, that our plans are not only planned, but the way they're carried out, right? The way where we put our affections, the way we, um, we, the way we appreciate relationships, or even show ourselves to be trustworthy, the way we build our lives, the, the, the ways we uh, think of right or wrong, all these things, right? We say, God, I trust you, I trust you so much. And then it seems to have so little effect on what we actually do. 
And so today we're just going to say, is, is God trustworthy? Um, to, to begin, I'm going to tell you guys a story of when I first trusted Jesus. Um, many of us have a testimony, right? And that's if you, if you first, the time you first came to say, oh God, I, I put my trust in you. Um, for me, that was when I was seven years old. We had a vacation Bible school, or a five-day club, um, as they were called, because no one usually puts vacation and school together, so they're called five-day clubs. And it was nearing the end of the time. We, uh, I was really, I was seven years old, and, and so everything's kind of a faint memory of it. But I remember that I didn't, uh, I didn't fully comprehend what was going on. I'd seen Jesus talked about this whole time, whether it was in missionary stories or seeing this guy in a, a white sheet and a blue sash walking around making a lot of fish out of one fish. And, you know, this really basic understanding. It was like he had superpowers, but I knew it was very different than superpowers because he used them differently. Right? And because this is, if, you're, if you've ever gone back and thought about this, why do we never really see Jesus as a superhero? And the reason why is because he understands something that other superheroes don't understand. Right? All the other superheroes seem to be surprised by things that Jesus is just not surprised by. And even as a young child, you realize that. You realize that, that Jesus has confidence because he knows what's going on. Where usually superheroes don't. Okay, so I, I had already, as a child, knew that Jesus was somehow different. And he was somehow, he was somehow perfect. And, um, and so as I, as I saw him this whole week and, and saw all the other kids and how they were... Uh, you know, we're interacting with what was being taught. Um, it came down to the second to last day, and they had this portion. We were all sitting down on a blanket in the grass of our backyard, my parents' backyard, and they said, if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus, raise your hand. Close your eyes and raise your hand. And the reason why they had you close your eyes is because they didn't want peer pressure. There's severe peer pressure when you're seven years old. And so... I did what every little kid did, and I closed my eyes with one eye a little bit open, just to see who would do it, right? Because I was far more scared of being left out of the neighborhood than I was of being left out of hell, or heavens, right? So I, I, it wasn't like this, this fear and trembling of the truth, but it was more of a, well, I, is this good? It was very democratic in the way I was doing it. Like, if everyone did it, then I would... And so I saw that a lot of people were doing it, and so I decided I'd make that bold step, and then... And then later on that night, because my mom understood the mind of a seven-year-old, she came and talked to me about it. And it was really helpful because I, I, didn't, I hadn't really processed what was going on. You know, I mean, your heart's like swelling with this great decision, but you just... More of the decision is if the popular kid's going to do it than if Jesus wants you to do it. And so, but that night when I was talking to my mom and she explained to me what it meant, it actually clicked for me, right? I, I was never growing, well, my parents might attest to something different, but I was never a real rebellious kid. I was never, I was never the kid, you know, that I don't have stories about, like, punching little animals, you know, or, like, or, or smoking marijuana when I was five in the bathroom. I just, I don't have those stories, but I knew when she explained sin to me that, that I was included in that, right? When I saw in these pictures Jesus saying, let the little children come unto me. And I saw their relationship with him. Right? And I saw, I saw the joy that they had with him. That was really important to me. Right? And so, um, 
And so I gave my life to Jesus. And that, for me, uh, it, it did create this huge change in my life. Um, from that moment on, and I, I remember, even, I won't let you read my journals, but I journaled when I was a little kid, and it was very much like, Jesus, I want to know you. And, and so those are my first experiences of trusting in God. But, um, but we admit really, that, that children are much more ready to believe than adults are. Um, and some people, so they say, well, don't, don't try to shape and try to mold the mind of a child because they're too vulnerable. But, you know, that's exactly what's beautiful about a child, right? Is because they're, they're, for most, right, some kids have to grow up real quick. I understand that. Um, but there's something very beautiful to the, for, in the ability for a child to actually trust. Um, so... <laughs> um, this changes, though, um, because when I was a child, I hadn't heard about, about things that, uh, that I began hearing about when I, when I grew up. Like, um, you know, I hadn't heard, you know, I went to study philosophy at WSU, I, and, and when I was younger, I hadn't heard about guys like Nietzsche and Marx and Feuerbach, right? I hadn't heard about Nietzsche declaring really confidently that God is dead, there's no such thing as him. Right? Or uh, a quote by uh, Rudolf Boltman, who is a higher critic of the New Testament, saying, It is impossible to use electric light and wireless and to avail ourselves of modern medical and surgical discoveries and at the same time believe in the New Testament world of spirits and miracles. It's just impossible to have those coinciding with each other. Right? I, hadn't, I hadn't heard yet of, of the, the Nazi death camps. Right? Or I, hadn't, I hadn't heard of... Um, all these things that all of a sudden when I was exposed to them, it began closing my world of trust. Right? Immediately I became a skeptic. My heart became hard in a lot of ways. Um, and so I want us to, to understand um, the value of trust and how we can put our trust in God in such a world as this. Um, when we become much more interested in trend-setting and trusting, and I think that's really the difference that, that we begin moving into um, as we grow up, trend-setting rather than trusting, where we would rather, we would rather trust ourselves, uh, begin at that point, than actually trusting the words of someone else, um, no matter how even trustworthy they've, they've shown themselves to be. Proverbs says, that he who trusts himself is a fool. And, and yet, we continue to, to try to begin at that point of trusting ourselves and then finding out what's trustworthy outside of ourselves. Um, one, more, one more comment, and, and I would say this uh, as, we, as we gain our bearings from where we've come from um, as children to now. Um, that Jesus says that if you... Um, if you cause a child to stumble, it would be better that you had a millstone tied around your neck and you were thrown into the ocean. And if you don't know a millstone, it's a very large rock. Right? It's not a floaty device. It's a rock. And so it would be better right, if, you, if you actually deceive someone who is vulnerable and who is innocent, it is better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and are thrown into the ocean. And why? <laughs> why? Because... Because we are meant to be people that are trustworthy. 
Right? So the, the Bible isn't functioning on the assumption that we should begin as these closed systems, right? Of people that just don't trust anything. Right? But, but what the Bible wants to do is begin healing relationships that we actually begin hearing, right? We actually even seeking, right? Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart. But we're so scared to do that. Um, so we're absolutely so scared to begin making ourselves vulnerable to hear anything besides our own voices. So, um, in light of all this, uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about three ways that God is trustworthy. Um, three ways that I, I've found God to be trustworthy and three ways that the Bible presents Him. Um, and this is, this is me as a grown-up. I'd like to think of myself as a grown-up. And, and I, as, I was, as I was praying over this yesterday, I, I began walking, really trying to honestly process, right? Because when I start preparing for a sermon, there's a lot of ideas that I have, but I don't know if any of those are right or good. If those are right to be told to you, right? And so <laughs> I had to get through some of the dishonesty in my own heart before I, I approached something like this. Because I didn't want to just give you something because I thought these were like the most refined arguments that I could come up with. Right? But I began actually thinking, so why do I trust God? Why, why do I trust God? And this was really helpful for me because I don't often think about this. And so I, as I was walking with my tea, and I have to pace sometimes, I, I began thinking, so, but God, why do I trust you? And, and I want to really think through this because... I want to be honest in my trust. And so when I talk to them, they, they just don't feel like I'm, I'm getting up here and being like, well, try these things. I mean, I don't know if they work or not. But, <laughs> but these are things that I really believe that this is why God is trustworthy. Right? I, I, I adhere to these with, with everything I've ever learned. Right? I, I think these stand out um, as eternal truths. The first is... That God created all things. Why is God trustworthy? Because he created all things. And this is a huge claim. And I'll tell you why this is a bigger claim than buying a car. This might help. Okay, if you buy a car, you're looking for several things. Right? You want the car to be reliable. Right? Right? Hopefully. You want a reliable car. Okay. But there's only a certain amount of things that car can do for you, right? You might, you might buy it because it can take you somewhere that another car can't take you. So you might buy a Subaru. Good choice. <laughs> like me and most of my roommates. Because it can get you places that another car can't take you, right? You might buy a big RV because you could live in it if you needed. Right? You might buy a motorcycle because you want to fear the adventure of tasting fear, often. I don't know. <laughs> but I did get my motorcycle, my motorcycle handler's license yesterday, so, or permit, so pray for me. Um, but there's a lot of, right, or you can get it for, like, gas mileage. Like, I, I really want to get far for cheap, and that's important, right? So, so our, our, deci- <laughs> our decisions... Um, about buying a car, there are certain things that are contingent upon that decision. Is that correct? Okay, so the difference between buying a car and 
trusting in God. The difference is what's contingent upon buying a car is about this much, right? But what is contingent upon where everything came from is infinite. Does that make sense? So you got gas mileage, you got you know, maneuverability, whatever you're thinking. So, but what, is, what relies upon where everything came from is everything. The meaning of life, to name one. Okay, so when we look at God being creator of the whole world, not only this world, but the cosmos, not only your eyeball, but an elephant, right? Everything came from Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. That is what the gospel, that's what the Bible presents to you. Right? Why is God trustworthy? Well, because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And one theologian, A.W. Tozer, said, give me that, and I don't care what argument you come up with, but he's right. right? And that's very simple, but it's true. If you give me Genesis 1.1, no matter what the rest of the Bible says, it's true. Oftentimes we, we bicker about, like, well, how, how could it be two, two fish and five loaves? Right? How could that feed 5,000 people? Well, if he created the whole cosmos, man, give me no fish. I'll feed 50 million people. Right? So, give me Genesis 1-1. And so, I believe God is trustworthy. Why? Because I do believe Genesis 1-1. And there's, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, in, uh, in Job 38, Job's having a, a misunderstanding uh, with God. He doesn't understand what, what God is, is trying to communicate with him. Or he doesn't even understand his relationship with God at this point. And what, what God tells him is this. He says, Then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom? With such ignorant words, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Get this. Please focus uh, on this with me. Uh, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside of its boundaries and burst it from the womb, and as I closed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. Okay, so... So God himself sets his authority before you, his authority to speak into your lives in no matter what situation by just declaring to you, I created all these things. And we find out in Revelation, in Revelation 4.11, you guys don't need to turn there, I'll read it for you. Um, just listen to this. He says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure they exist and were created. So, 
we have God creating and God creating for his pleasure and everything existing for his pleasure. And because of that, he's a reliable witness to the meaning of that, to the existence of that. Um, I won't... I won't just leave you there by pretending that there's no argument over, over whether he did that or not. Um, but I'll, I'll read you a quick quote from Stephen Hawking, uh, who yet you might know is he was a, an Oxford physicist, um, well known for his book, A Brief History of Time, which is called the least read bestseller, because um, he's way too brilliant to understand unless you makes these small statements, which I'm going to read to you, which is understandable. Um, he says, if we discover a complete theory, and, and Stephen Hawking is by no means considered a Christian. So this is interesting as you consider this. He says, if we discover a complete theory, it should be understood that everyone, not just a few scientists, um, must understand it. Then we shall all philosophers, scientists, and just ordinary people be able to take part in the discussion of why it is that we in the universe exist. If we find that answer, it will be the ultimate triumph of human reason. For then we shall know the mind of God. Even if there is only one possible theory, it is just a set of rules and equations. It it is not just a set of rules and equations. What breathes fire into these equations is what I ask. So so this question of, um, did God create or not? Right? I think he sums up really well is that we do know the universe to be run by laws, right? Whether it's the laws that dominate the gravitational pull, but I would even argue um, the fire that we find inside the heart of human beings who long to know their own existence, right? And they come to it with questions because they believe those questions can be answered, right? And so... So Stephen Hawking's question is saying, what breathes fire into this is vital for us because I believe that the Bible is a very reliable testimony to that. And so as God begins explaining himself in that, I think we need to listen closely. And that's the second, the second reason why I find God to be trustworthy is because he reveals himself to us. And this is all coming, this all comes together for me, Right? I don't believe just because I, I look around at the world and I'm amazed by it. I'm amazed that I see creativity and beauty in it that was put into it. Um, but believe because God actually revealed himself. In Isaiah, he says, Have you not heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent for them. And it just goes on to, to keep telling them who he is. He's sovereign, that he reigns, that he, he loves people. And this is, this is incredible. And, I, and I, it would be very hard to trust someone who you just knew was powerful. And that's what we find in the first thing, that, that God created everything. We, all we know about that is that He's powerful. But we can be so terrified that by what's called the state of nature, right? Because everything seems so untamed and doesn't immediately offer to us an explanation, right? But then God himself begins giving us an explanation in his word, uh, a word that is 
reliable. And so many people don't find it reliable because they approach it without actually hearing what he has to say. And this is vital because so many people come immediately with, they just, they hear something and then they come at it with an argument. Like, a popular one is, well, who made God? Right? A a child could ask that. Or, this is actually like one of the big, like, hit him home, atheistic arguments if you're in a philosophy classroom. Right? Well, well, who made God? And, and the silly thing about it is God's revelation of himself, right? The way, way we understand God and his character, either God has to be denied or accepted by the way he reveals himself to us. Okay, and, and God being the only one who everything else finds its meaning in, Right? So everything else is contingent upon him. He is a non-contingent being. Right? What that means is everything else relies upon him. He doesn't rely upon anything else. Right? So either we have to say, no, we rely upon something else. Or we have to say, okay, we rely upon him. We just don't understand it. Right? Because I'm so untrusting. Right? Because, God, I just, I'm just so filled with fear. Right? Because... I, I talk to most Christians and, and they, they spend their life just really wrestling with a lot of doubts and you're like, well, well, do you actually hear what God s- says to you? And they're like, well, no, I, I actually don't even read my Bible. And that's, that's, such, that's the common cases. We're not even listening to what he's trying to tell us. And just, we're so filled with fear, right? But honestly, and I felt this before, have you ever come to the point where you open up your Bible and you're kind of scared to be reading it? And so you get like through a few verses and you're like, I just, I can't do this right now. Right? What is that? What causes that in our lives? Where even to merely pick up the word of God, right? So the claim is it's the word of God. And to begin reading it, it just, we can't bear our, our hearts to it for even a minute. But it, it's almost like it scares us, what it might tell us. Right? That's why I think we don't spend much time in it, because it's like, you open it up, and you're like, how am I supposed to ever know this? But guys, God created you. He reveals himself to you, but he goes, he goes even further. And this is, listen to this, in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews 1, this kind of ties all of them together. So listen close. He says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So God's revealing himself. He wants us to know him. And now in these final days he spoke to us through his son. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance. And through the son he created the universe. The son radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he has cleansed us from our sins... He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. So, this is the third. Why is God trustworthy? Because he actually fulfilled everything he, ever, he said he would in sending 
Jesus to the world. So, he not only reveals himself to us, but it's incredible that he involves himself in our lives. He desires to involve himself in our lives. So here's, here's somebody who we rely upon because everything relies upon him. But yet we are filled with fear, even after the first two points of why he's trustworthy. I believe that we still don't approach him because we fear. And we don't, it's not the fear of the Lord that begins wisdom, it's just the, the fear of... I, and I don't know if I can even put words to it. I don't know if it's fear of exposure or fear of what he might call us to. Have you guys ever, ever just had that, that worry? I don't, I don't know. It's like being in a, a sports team, right? And, and the, the, this real serious part of the game comes and the coach is like, come on in, you're going to do the kick. Or, you know, <laughs> whatever that call is, I don't know if we're expecting God to ask us something that we just can't do. And I think that's really why we fear God oftentimes, is we fear that, that he, might, he might ask us something that we just, we, we're not smart enough, or we're not strong enough to do. But, but then with Jesus, he includes himself in the life of humanity. Right? The word would become flesh and dwell among us. This is what it tells us in John. Uh, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everything. He came into the world, the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own people, and they rejected Him. But all those who would believe in Him and accept Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So the world became human. The Word became human and made His home among us. He was full, this is beautiful, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So this is, this is why God is trusted again. Because in all, in all of these ways, it's like we're, we find ourselves surrounded. In Romans, it, it phrases it like this. He says, if, if he would give us his own son, why would he not just give us everything? Right? It's, that's the, it's the reasoning of Scripture. is saying, okay, well, we know, we know these things he created. right? I, I know that there's meaning in life, despite all the fearing people's attempts to tell me it's okay if I don't have meaning. I just know there is. <laughs> because I ask stupid questions like that all the time, right? <laughs> you get frustrated with ourselves, and you're like, ah, why do I just, why do I, why do I ask questions? <laughs> well, the Bible's like coaxing them out of you. It's like, well, if he, oh, if he would do this, why wouldn't he just want to be involved? Why wouldn't he tell you then about his character, right? And if he's going to tell you about his character, that he loves you, then why wouldn't he actually involve himself in relationship with you. And that's what he did in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he wants to give you everything in Christ. And, and this is the, the, the final reason why I think we don't understand this. Right? You guys wouldn't believe the wrestling I do with myself when I'm going to prepare a sermon. So I'm like, but they're just not going to get it. And, and I think the reason 
why even at this point we don't get it is because, <laughs> because we are so broken that all we, all we are so concerned about is me and we just can't give up me. And then the way we try to, um, try to, to work healing in our lives is like, well, just, just tell yourself that you're good enough. And then, and then when you feel strong enough, then, then you might be ready to like, go into the Bible. Right? It's like, have you ever seen the, the, the license plate cover that says, I saw it, I liked it, I whined, I got it? Right? And we function by this mentality of like, of, of me, right? Where, where it, it, everything begins from my desire and my strength. And, and so we come to Scripture, and it's profoundly not about you, right? It begins by God creating, and then you, somewhere down in Genesis 126, the 26th of the verse, being involved in, then he created man, and then he made man special, Right, but all this is going on, and then, and then, well, why are you special? Like, because he included you. Okay, so, um, I have I have an example of this, and I couldn't help but, but going back to um, a real, uh, I don't know, something that helped me understand it when I was younger, and and it was really familiar with some of you. It's a story in Chronicles of Narnia of Aslan, right? And sorry if this is old to some of you, but it's new to me every time I read it. And, and they, the children have first heard about Aslan, um, this, this lion in, um, in this, this land that Lewis created to help us understand um, who Jesus is. And they hear about him for the first time. Aslan's on the move. And it means something to them, even though they've never heard of him before. Right? And this is what he says. He says, uh, Aslan's on the move, and he says, And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken the very words, everyone felt quite different. This is perhaps like, like you were in a dream, and, and someone said something to you. You somehow remember the rest of your life. Um... And all of them had this different nostalgic feeling. And then it goes on, and the beavers are just flabbergasted that they've never heard of Aslan before. And they start explaining to him, well, well who is he? Well, he's, a, he's the king, right? He's, he's the king of everything. Right? And so they're explaining this to him. And then they finally get this part where he says, well, is he a man? And they said, Aslan a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the woods, the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who the king of the beasts is? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And then Susan says, oh, I thought he was a man. Is, is he safe? I, I shall feel nervous if I meet a lion. And then uh, the beaver says, that you will, dearie, and no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're braver than most, or just silly. Then he isn't safe, Lucy said, right? And this is the little girl. And Beaver said, safe. Don't you hear what Mr. Beaver tells you? Who said he was safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He is the king. And this is, this is why we are so reticent to put our trust in God is because he isn't safe, right? If you want to preserve your physical welfare, 
That's not the promise that's offered to you in, in finding out who God is. Do you guys get that? If everything in you just wants to preserve what you already have, any semblance of comfort you've been able to create for yourself, then you will never be able to trust God completely. Right? If we always hold on to me and what's mine and what this little beautiful world that, that I've just tried to secure myself in, right? then, then if you hear about the great king who created everything, and my... And might have a lot of things to say that might shock you, right? That might start changing the way you think when he reveals himself to you, right? And you might have, your bearings might have to completely change because for such a long time, all you've wanted to do was, was find where you can firmly put your feet down and then tell the world who you are and how you got there, right? That's never the position you start at when you when you begin hearing about this great king that the Bible is talking about. Right? See, he's not safe, but he's good. And this is in Job. When, when God finally revealed himself to Job, he's just like, I created everything. Job, in, in the book of Job, in, in uh, chapter 13, he says, um, what does he say? Uh, Though you, though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. Right? Guys, this is incredible. It's because I, I've wrestled with this the last few weeks, finally coming in to this point of, well, do I trust God, and what does that look like to actually trust Him? Because I, I've lied to myself so much thinking that trusting him just meant I, I somehow could just do what I wanted and then just like in, and give him credit, right? Well, I trust him with the credit, where that goes. And that's usually what we make worship into, right? Well, I'm successful, and then I'll give him praise for that success, right? Or I've, I've made a career path for myself, and then I'll just, I'll just say, you know, praise the Lord, <laughs> right? <laughs> but... But what God does when he reveals himself to you and just asks, him to con- asks you to consider him and who he is, it actually, it actually just reshapes us. And beginning by saying, oh, where does life begin? Well, life begins by saying, God, you're trustworthy. And then everything just flows out of that. Right? In him, everything lives and moves and has, has its being, whether or not we acknowledge that. And it's about time we acknowledge that. So, Romans 3.33, we started at. That there's a stone place, talking about Jesus, it says it causes people to stumble and rocks that makes them fall, but anyone who believes or trusts in him will not be disappointed. This is what we come to. We come to the person of Christ who not everyone gets. Right? Because if you come to him and you say, 
okay, well, I have a few good ideas, Jesus, and you have a few good ideas, and maybe if we put those together, we'll really have a good relationship, right? That's going to make you stumble, right? And I think even as maybe those who have put their trust in God, you've found times when you've stumbled hard, real hard, because all of a sudden, man, you took this wild detour and you just started trusting yourself a lot more than you trusted him, all right? Rather than just saying, I'm going to begin at the point of trusting him. Um, and then from that, man, I, I promise you, it is a life without disappointment. Not because you'll necessarily understand everything that goes on right, in your life. Um, but you'll be able to get to that place where Job is at, where he just says, man, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, because you will never be able to hold your life in your own hands. And this is, this is a means of, like, of hope for you guys. Right? This, isn't, this isn't means of being like a downer. Like, if we ever get to the point where you just say, God, I, 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 can't, I can't do this, right? I can't create my life. But realize that God is ready to bless those who trust in him with, with just a sweet understanding of himself um, and, and incredible enlightenment for how we should live our lives. So the one who puts his trust in him will never be disappointed. Um, there's, there's so much that, that you guys... Um, I'm sure as you take this and you, you begin thinking about God as creator and all that means for you, um, or God is simply just speaking, maybe each of these might hit you in a different way. If God would actually say something in this word, what that will mean to those who listen to it. Okay? Or then, those who maybe the first time realized that God was faithful in sending Jesus, and that actually happened. And what that means for those things to have actually happened, not get so caught up in the moment's drama that you don't realize that, that God is faithful and is trustworthy. Right? It can have a profound influence. It will mature you more than anything else um, in your life because you'll actually be able to person that's, that's grounded in history. And I was actually going to mention this about creation is, is I believe science is a real means of worship, Right? That if anyone just sits, and this is where a lot of people go wrong, if you just sit in the seat of science and just say, I will, only, I will only understand what this microscope can tell me, <laughs> that's incredibly limiting, right? <laughs> but we, we often do those things. But that can, be, that can be used, whether you take it at that microscopic scale or the macroscopic scale of just looking at a sunset, that can lead to a lot of worship in our lives as we learn to give glory to the one who created it all. And say, man, but your mercies are new every morning, too, for me personally. <laughs> so, guys, as you trust in God, this leads to a lot of worship in your lives. And, and what keeps us from worship oftentimes is because we sing songs like, Jesus, I'm resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. And all along we're like, <laughs> you know? That's literally what we do. We're like, I'm resting. But you don't even know what it means to actually trust him. Right? That. <laughs> Like, think, what does this mean to actually trust God? 
This has been huge. It's led to a lot of rest in my life. It's because I'm not trying to create a life for myself right now. And it's good. I'm actually able to say, oh God, God, give me the life you intend for me. And I'm going to seek that. I'm going to pursue it because I want to know you better and what that means. Um, and it's enlightening. You, you guys, you'll grow in wisdom and stature. Like, you'll really grow up because you'll be able to be making decisions not just about what you can do, but what God can do through you. So, put your trust in Him. Um, this has been a sermon of rambling, and I'm sorry. I've been sick all week, and there's babies crying, and I'm congested. But I'm putting my trust in God that, that you learned something today. And, and so I'll pray for us as we go from here. Oh God, um, God, I, I just I do trust that your Holy Spirit is alive and active and, um, and is speaking to hearts individually as we come here corporately um, because we believe that you are God. And maybe we don't, don't all believe it, but some of us have just heard that that there is one who explains um, who we are and why things are the way they are. And God, I, I pray that you'll even now open our hearts just to hear that and our minds to believe it and our lives just to walk in that. Oh God, so we can truly love and truly be, be vulnerable uh, to you, live in a relationship with you, and not just say we are. God, I thank you for this group. Just bless them, God. I pray this in your name, amen.